the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Lockdown Pokes here on a Monday. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Glad everyone is with me on Christmas week here as we uh, will have a few episodes for you this week. I will not be here tomorrow or Wednesday, so I hope everyone enjoys the holiday. I will be back Thursday and Friday previewing Oklahoma State's bowl game against Texas A&M, which of course will be Friday at 545. I think that's on ESPN, the Texas Bowl against the Aggies. Reminder, this is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network in the country. And you can find me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. Send me all your thoughts, questions, whatever it may be uh, about the basketball team, which struggled again uh, on Saturday, about uh, recruiting about Casey Dunn leaving, which I'm just about to get into. Whatever's on your mind, send it my way at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. All right, let's talk about Casey Dunn because this is a big loss for Oklahoma State. Casey Dunn has been hired away from Oklahoma State by Marcus Arroyo, the new head coach at UNLV. You'll remember Marcus Arroyo was the running backs coach at Oklahoma State, and then he headed to Oregon, and now he is the head coach at UNLV, and he's hired away Casey Dunn to come be the offensive coordinator for the running Rebels. Now, this uh, came as a huge surprise to me whenever this came across on Friday afternoon. Uh, he is the longest tenured assistant coach at Oklahoma State. He's been the wide receivers coach since 2011. This past year, he was named the associate head coach. Uh, and this is a huge hit for Oklahoma State. I, I think you can kind of read between the lines the way Mike Gundy has spoken about Casey Dunn. Th- this is a guy that Mike Gundy really and truly trusted with his football program. You, you know, when Mike Gundy stuck around to watch Gunner, whenever the team went to Morgantown, he mentioned Casey Dunn being able to take care of things and handle things. And, you know, he didn't have to worry about it because there are people there who he trusted to take care of it and to make sure that everything ran smoothly. Well, one of the big guys who, who made sure everything ran smoothly was Casey Dunn. So, Now, uh, you know, you can ask the question, why now? Why is he leaving? Why is he going to UNLV? Um, Obviously, the Marcus Arroyo connection is there, but I would imagine that for a guy like Casey Dunn, look, he he shows up as the receivers coach in 2011. Uh, That offense is phenomenal. He coached Justin Blackman to a Bolitnikov. He coached and developed James Washington. And I would guess, I, I don't know, I'm speculating, same as everyone else is. I would guess that whenever Mike Yersich walked, Casey Dunn, Wanted the job. I, I I don't know how he wouldn't have wanted the job. And Mike Gundy went to Princeton and got Sean Gleason. And at some point, I think Casey Dunn probably looked at his position at Oklahoma State and said, I've loved my time here, but if at some point I want to work my way up and become a coordinator and eventually a head coach, I've got to go do it. And he's got the opportunity to do that with someone he knows, uh, someone he clearly likes and trusts, or else he wouldn't be leaving such a stable gig in Stillwater to go coach for UNLV, which is not – uh, had a good football program whatsoever. I'll say this, UNLV, they've got themselves a coaching staff now. I don't know what they had before, but they've got themselves a good staff now with Marcus Arroyo and Casey Dunn. So really disappointing to see him go. Uh, he's been phenomenal for Oklahoma State, known as a good recruiter. And uh, obviously Oklahoma State has kind of been wide receiver U over the last decade and a half. Uh, and he's been a big part of that since 2011 in Stillwater. So uh, now Gundy will have to make 
another hire, and I think this is a really important hire for Mike Gundy because, you know, stability I think is huge in in college sports, Uh, all sports really, but in college sports I think you need stability. I think it's good that Mike Gundy's been in Stillwater for a long time. I think it's good that Casey Dunn uh, was in Stillwater as long as he was. I think that that's good for recruiting. Uh, I think it's good for the culture that you have to have stability and now with Casey Dunn gone you've got to go get somebody to replace him and those are not easy shoes to fill so I don't know where Mike Gundy's going to go from here we'll see uh, who he elects to bring in as the new receivers coach there were also some rumors last week and they are nothing more than rumors at this point that Sean Gleason was uh, potentially interested in taking the OC job at Rutgers that would certainly uh, be a downward move, although Rutgers with Shiano back now is looking to get things turned around uh, and get moving in the right direction as a program. But I would not expect Sean Gleason to be leaving. Here's my deal on Sean Gleason. He's been in Oklahoma State for one year, and it was a good, not great year. Uh, Oklahoma State went 0 for 12 in attempting to throw for 300 yards, but did have the nation's leading rusher, and the offense was starting to find its form before Tylen Wallace and Spencer Sanders got hurt. But after one year in Stillwater with decent success, I would say average success, I don't think that Sean Gleason could get a good enough job right now that would warrant him leaving Stillwater. Unless, you know, he's a Northeast guy. Unless he just wants to go back up there um, and be in that part of the country, I can't imagine him leaving Oklahoma State for Rutgers. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine the pay being that much better at Rutgers, that it would be worth it for him to leave. So I think Sean Gleason uh, will remain with Oklahoma State. But this is that time of year whenever we we play coaching carousels uh, all around the country and you see what you're left with uh, once bowl season is over. Uh, A little more coaching carousel stuff going on. Mike Yersich is apparently the – the leading candidate to become the offensive coordinator at the University of Texas, which would be interesting. Mike Yersich back in the Big 12, I, I'm all for it. Um, I, I liked Mike Yersich, his time in Oklahoma State. Uh, I thought that he was completely overwhelmed whenever he first got on campus in Stillwater. I thought he actually grew into a pretty good coach and a pretty good play caller in his few years at Oklahoma State. I think that first impression um, – I think the first impression with Oklahoma State fans was that he was overwhelmed and he was in way over his head. I think that was accurate. First impressions are hard to get rid of. I think he got better in his time in Stillwater. It's interesting. He's making $950,000 this year at Ohio State, and that is as the passing game coordinator. That's not as the offensive coordinator. That's as the passing game coordinator. Um, Texas obviously would be able to top that. Um, I I would imagine Texas, if they were going to bring him in to be the OC, would give him 1.2, 1.4, 1.5, something of that nature. Uh, Texas, they've they've got it, and they can spend it. So uh, I would imagine if Mike Yersich does go to Austin, he'll see a nice pay raise. And uh, good for him, man. From Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, and in five years he could be the OC at Texas, making a million and a half. Uh, that's not a bad come up for Mike Yersich. I want to take a break, come back on the other side, talk about what happened at the BOK Center on Saturday. It is not good right now for Oklahoma State basketball. Hopefully, Isaac Likely will be back for the start of conference play next week. Talk about all that and more coming up here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
Welcome back to Locked on Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Reminder to go find me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. Follow both of those accounts and send me all your thoughts uh, regarding Oklahoma State, whether it be basketball, football, Cowboys in the NFL. Justice Hill gets his first touchdown yesterday. Big congratulations to Justice. Uh, and I love the love that was shown by his fellow Cowboys on Twitter. Chuba showed him some love on Twitter. Amen. Ogbong Bamiga showed him some love on Twitter. So really happy for Justice to get his uh, first career NFL touchdown. Mason Rudolph got a shot again yesterday. Doc Hodges was benched. Mason Rudolph came in and seemed like he was actually playing pretty well. And then he hurt his shoulder, uh, left shoulder, non-throwing shoulder, and had to leave in a sling. So uh, tough break again for Mason Rudolph. It has just not gone how you would have hoped this year for Mason. Uh, and the Steelers did end up losing that one yesterday. And Chris Carson now is out for the Seahawks' final game of the season, which is the uh, basically the, the game that determines whether they are the one seed, pardon me, the two seed or the five seed in the NFC against San Francisco, whether they win the division or have to go to Philly as a wild card. So uh, tough luck for Chris Carson as well, suffering that injury. I uh, want to remind everyone, if you're looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to Breaking Tea, just the letter T, BreakingTea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports t shirts around teams' passion moments. It's great for all fans. Go to BreakingTea.com slash locked on and then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. Uh, you know what's not fun? Watching Oklahoma State play basketball. It is uh, labor intensive work to watch the Cowboys play a 40 minute game of basketball. Uh, actually, so they played Saturday afternoon. Game got started a little bit. Late because the previous game at the BOK Center went to uh, double, triple overtime, whatever it was. So Oklahoma State and Minnesota get underway. And I'm kind of following along on my phone. Uh, my wife and I are watching the Patriots-Bills game. So Patriots-Bills goes to halftime. I flip over to Oklahoma State-Minnesota. The game's tied at 24. Okay, we're, we're good here. We're tied at 24, in good shape. Uh, just, you know, keep it close. Keep it close all day. Hope you can win it at the end. From the time I flip over when the game's tied at 24, Oklahoma State goes on a field goal drought that seemed like it lasted an eternity. In, in real time, I don't think Oklahoma State made a field goal in the halftime of the Patriots-Bills game. NFL halftime's what, 12 minutes? And Oklahoma State did not make a field goal in that time. Oklahoma State ended up trailing 46-31 to 31 at halftime. So from the time I flipped over, it was a 22-7 to 7 run for Minnesota to end the half. They ended up getting up uh, by nearly 30 in the second half, and it was just – a complete disaster from Oklahoma State. And again, no Isaac Likely, but at some point, you know, even without Isaac Likely, you're 1-3 and three now. Uh, the loss to Georgetown, I still think, was the worst of that bunch considering they had just dismissed a couple guys and we don't know how good they're going to be. I thought that was a game you really needed to get on your home floor. But the game against Wichita State, Oklahoma State got run off the court. The game against Minnesota on Saturday, Oklahoma State got embarrassed. Mike Boynton said after the game that uh, Oklahoma State did not do justice to the name on the front of the jersey, and I, I don't see how you could disagree with him. Uh, I mean, for Oklahoma State, they allowed Minnesota to shoot 10 of 21 from beyond the arc, 32 of 55 from the floor. That's 58.2%, 47.6% from beyond the arc. Gabe Kalsher, who lit it up, you know, looked like Steph Curry on Saturday. He was 1 for 15 Minnesota's previous three games from beyond the arc. He was 7 of 9 Saturday against Oklahoma State. And, and you know why? He was open. He was open, and he was letting it fly, and, and he had a great game. And you give him all the credit in the world, but 
Oklahoma State's got to figure something out on both ends of the floor. Defensively, too many open shots for the opponents. And then offensively, too many scoring droughts. It's like Oklahoma State's okay. They're doing all right. It's it's 24-all. And then the scoring droughts. Oklahoma State had three separate droughts where they missed at least six field goals in a row. And I I tell you what, having Isaac Likely back is going to be great. But I don't know that he fixes all these problems. This just... It went from a team that dominated Syracuse and Ole Miss, and you're thinking, okay, let, let's go out and see if this team can be a five or six seed to now since since they've been missing Isaac Likely. They don't even look like a tournament team. They don't look like they belong anywhere near the tournament. And I'll, I'll say this. Isaac Likely was seen warming up, going through layup lines. He was dressed on Saturday. So maybe that's an encouraging sign that he can get back sooner rather than later. But, I mean, Oklahoma State's running out of time. Southeastern Louisiana at home at 1.30 this Sunday, and then it's it's conference play. It's at Texas Tech a week from Saturday, January 4th. I mean, at Texas Tech, Isaac Likely doesn't play. I'm just assuming Oklahoma State's going to get rolled in that game. Next game, you're hosting another top 25 team in West Virginia. A couple games later, you've got Texas and Baylor. Then you're at Iowa State. you got Kansas at home. Where's the let-up? There is no let-up. Not in the Big 12. There is no let-up. You have to play good basketball, and Oklahoma State is not doing it right now. So hopefully Isaac Likely get, getting back will fix some of those problems. Um, you, you know, if, if Isaac Likely comes back and all of a sudden everything's okay, I think that that says miles about what he is as a leader because this team right now looks totally, totally lost um, as if they just can't find whatever they're looking for. So uh, hopefully it comes together and hopefully Isaac Likely is able to get back before conference play because Oklahoma State's going to need him whenever they head to Lubbock here in 12 days uh, or else that one could get ugly like a couple of these against Wichita State and Minnesota have. All right, going to take a break, come back on the other side. I will wrap this things up, this thing up and get everyone uh, sent off into their holidays. I know I'm sure everyone is ready for uh, – Pardon me, I'm sure everyone is ready for Christmas these next couple days, Christmas Eve and Christmas. So everyone be safe with your holiday travels. Uh, I'm going to come back, wrap this thing up, uh, talk a little Gunner Gundy, and then I will call it a day. Stay with me here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes. Getting ready for Christmas and then a little Texas Bowl action this Friday. College football playoff on Saturday. It's going to be a great weekend of football. And uh, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I don't really have to worry about the NFL anymore. So it's kind of nice, kind of uh, kind of relieving being done with the Dallas Cowboys season. You, you know, to, to give the Dallas Cowboys debacle an Oklahoma State angle, the best tight end on Dallas's roster wears number 89. We all know it. We all see it. We can watch it. Blake Jarwin touched the ball one time yesterday. He was not on the field for the majority of the snaps in that game. And I love Jason Witten. Jason Witten's been great. He's been awesome for a long time. And he's a fine possession tight end at this point in his career. He had a huge drop yesterday that stalled a Dallas Cowboy drive. And Blake Jarwin couldn't get snaps. And I don't understand it because Blake Jarwin, every time he touches the ball, he looks like such a natural receiver. He looks good in the open field. He can make people miss. He can run people over. Blake Jarwin has simply been phenomenal in his limited opportunities. But, of course, Jason Garrett, you know, everybody clap it out. 
clap it out for Jason Garrett. So uh, hopefully Blake Jarwin will get more run over whoever the, uh, under whoever the next head coach is in uh, in Dallas because we all know that it's not going to be Jason Garrett. Uh, all right, let's talk about this Gunner Gundy situation. Uh, this is really interesting. I, I saw on Friday that he was planning on walking on at Oklahoma State, and I thought, okay, awesome. That's that's great. Um, in 2021, which is interesting, it's it's kind of smart from Gunner's perspective. I, I really thought that he was going to go to a smaller school, uh, be the starter. I thought he was going to go the Mason Fine route. You know, Mason Fine went to North Texas, four-year starter, Absolute stud. I thought Gunnar Gundy was going to go that route. He wants to go to Oklahoma State, wants to play for his dad, wants to play at the Power 5 level. I totally get it. Um, you, you know, go chase your dreams, young man. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, so, so what he's going to do is take a year off from football during 2020. He's going to enroll as a student at Oklahoma State. He's going to take classes uh, part-time in the spring and in the fall of 2020. And then next spring, so spring of 2021, he will be able to enroll as an early enrollee. He'll come in and basically, uh, Gunner told the Oklahoma and he said, I'm waiting to start my four-year clock so I can hopefully get to play there and finish my career there. It, it makes a ton of sense. Look, Spencer Sanders is there right now. Um, we, we don't know exactly what Shane Ellingworth is going to look like. I, I don't know if he's banking that he can beat Shane Ellingworth out, or or maybe he thinks that he can go the the corn dog route, and that if he takes a year off and then backs up Ellingworth for a few years, that uh, backs up Sanders and Ellingworth for a few years, that then as his when, when he's a senior, a fifth or sixth year senior, he can be the starter and he can have an entire year to run the team. I, I don't know exactly what his plan is, but it makes sense to give himself that extra year because Spencer Sanders and Shane Ellingworth are there. And while I'm all for confidence. Oftentimes, we see quarterbacks go places with the hope and the expectation that they're going to beat out whoever's there for the starting job, and then they don't, and then they transfer, and, and it doesn't end up working out. Um, you, you know, I look at a guy like Casey Thompson who went to Texas, and Casey Thompson probably thought that he could go down there and win the job. And again, I'm all for confidence, but I think self-awareness is key too. I, I think you have to know that if that school already has a starter, they already have somebody that they brought in who they think can run their program for a few years, the chances of you beating out that guy are not great. You're going to have to be head and shoulders better. Uh, look at Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm is hes a really good college quarterback. He's not great. I think Justin Fields is great, but he wasn't heads and tails better than Jake Fromm at Georgia, and Jake Fromm never did enough to lose the job, so Justin Fields ends up transferring to Ohio State. It didn't work out for him at Georgia. So uh, I, I think that those things happen all the time. I'm happy for Gunnar Gundy. I think it'll be great to have him in Stillwater, and, and it'll be great to have him as a member of Oklahoma State's team. And hopefully at some point in his college career, we do get to see him uh, be the starter at Oklahoma State. I think that would be really cool to watch Mike Gundy coach his son Gunnar uh, at Oklahoma State, and uh, hopefully they can have some success. So, uh, all right, that is all for today. I'll be back Thursday and Friday previewing the Texas Bowl against Texas A&M. And I've got some stats later on in the week that I want to get to, uh, you know, just some this decade type stats for Oklahoma State. Uh, the, the football program really has been wildly successful this last decade. We'll talk about how successful Oklahoma State has been, how successful Texas A&M has not been, despite the fact that they, they have themselves confused with Alabama. We'll talk about all that on Thursday and Friday. Everyone, please, please, please be safe uh, in your holiday 
holiday travels, wherever you're going to see family, whether you're flying, whether you're driving, please, please be safe. Everyone have a great holiday season. Uh, if you're celebrating Christmas, Merry Christmas. If your family celebrates something else, you know, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you're celebrating, have a great, great holiday season. Be safe. We will talk on Thursday. Thanks for listening once again to Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.